0: Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Hi. It's great to have you on. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> you got anything you want to pimp? Pimp? Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, where did it go? <laughs> I
0: mean, like, the Twitter account.
1: Oh, um, my Twitter account. I went to state this past week, so I took a few days off of Twitter, kind of. Other than just, like, the very minimal maintenance <laughs> of following people back and stuff like
0: that. So, I, when I I meant, like, so I'm at Jaro
1: on Twitter. How do you spell it? J-I-A-A-R-O. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't following you before. I will now. That's mean everywhere. Cool. GitHub, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. com. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's what I was talking about when I said, you have anything you want to pimp? In other words. Yeah, got it now. Okay. I'm Tom Harrigan. <laughs> at Tom Harrigan. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how to spell it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. This is a great sex segment of the pocket. Anyway, um, I thought it would be a good idea to actually talk about um, our startup for a little bit since we didn't at all last time. Cool.
1: Does that mean <laughs> not <I'm> talking?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <it? laughs> yeah. Go for it.
1: All right. So where are ready like... to do your thirty-second pitch. That's really on the spot. Um, Hang on. Okay. All right. We're in the elevator. Timer. Ting. Cool. Where's the timer? <laughs> We're on the second floor already better hurry shit So we are a and a platform where like Yahoo answers or Quora, but for companies So when you type something into Google now You're gonna land on that company's web page where you have a reputable source to answer a question rather than Joe Schmo on Yahoo answers Man. sweet. Yeah, I think I'm gonna faint Why cuz I just blew you off your feet or yeah, okay We're only on the like the fifth floor or something like that. Don't you want that? Yeah, cool. Well, now you have a chance to ask me questions and stuff. You know what? I'm just going to write you a check. I like it. <laughs> I'm so good at this job. Sweet. Okay. So, um Bootstrap. Bootstrap, Twitter Bootstrap. Twitter Bootstrap has been awesome. Oh, Django so, Bootstrap.
0: Cool. Okay. Uh okay, so a Twitter Bootstrap, if you don't know what it is, it's like um It's a CSS framework plus some JavaScript plugins that have, it's kind of like jQuery UI with um, a layout framework and some visual styling built into it. So like not just widgets, but also just layout stuff. So you have a, a way of doing columns and you have a way of making your website, you know, have a nice header bar without writing tons of CSS. You have a way of making your images fit into nice pretty grids.
1: That all sounds great, but we're not really using most of that. We started using like a 960 layout before you really understood how a 960 layout worked, right? That's true. So we're actually like a 940, 950 layout.
0: Well, 940 <laughs> is how wide a 960 layout is supposed to be. Okay. It's supposed to have a 10 pixel gutter on the left and the right. This is true. But what we have is like a 975 layout with a 20 pixel gutter on each side, making it roughly 1,050 pixels wide, which is just too, <laughs> slightly too wide for 1024. That's true. I mean, everything fits on a 1024. At the end of the day, it all still, like, if you're on an iPad, it doesn't, like, make you horizontal scroll.
1: So it's okay. So the benefits for us are mostly in our usability. So with our current beta clients, a lot of the things that we've been trying to deal with is how do we get people to post questions more frequently or understand how to post questions so that it's a good question. Right? Right. And it isn't working. I put in, I, so I use
0: the, um, what is it called, <sighs> sorry, I use the popovers from um, the bootstrap javascript plugins. So they're like hover tabs, right? Basically when you are on an input, it pops up a little bubble next to it with some text. Gotcha. So I put in some text with very specific pointers about things you should and should not do.
1: Is that the stuff that I wrote?
0: Um, no, I didn't have that available to me on the airplane. Uh,
1: okay. So I just filled so in with other stuff. Maybe playing around like A-B testing the copy could help.
0: Well, let's take a look at what it has, and I will, I will disagree about A-B testing the copy. I'm not sure what we need to do, but it says, The title will help other community members decide whether to read your question. Try to phrase it as a question, ending with a question mark. That seems pretty explicit to me, especially the try to phrase it as a question ending with a question mark.
1: All right. Okay. Maybe later well, we could look at the copy I wrote and, you know, yeah. just just to go over, like, what our text is actually saying. Like, if it's actually describing how it's making the community better and stuff. I mean, deciding whether to read your question is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, but maybe there's something where we can make it feel like, if you do this, you're awesome. You know,
0: maybe. Maybe we could gamify it. But what I'm getting at right now is... This was such a complete fail. Like, I saw a two-word question posted on the site, like,
1: yesterday, mm. even though this has been live for a week. On the plus side, they did write a question, and our first goal was getting more content on the site, right? Well, the traffic hasn't much... gone up. and Yeah. It, okay, so well, here we
0: have, in newest, two-word titles, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are not... I mean, so, bonus, It do, it is a question, but literally all of the things that I suggested the person do were ignored. <laughs> right. Including not signing it at the end of your question
1: and including the actual question in the title. It's very hard to force people to read things on your page. It is difficult to force people to read things. Example, with Plugio, it has annoying pop-up boxes that gray out the rest of the screen until you take some kind of action on it, Yep, which means you do have to perform some kind of action to get rid of it, which is a little more incentive to read something. But instead of saying the don't show me this again, it's like, I should probably read this at some point. So I have clicked the X about 50 times, (laughs) right? So it always pops up for me. And I always say, I don't feel like reading this right now.
0: Okay. So maybe the answer is just less text, less words. Mm Mm-hmm. Really, maybe the title one will say, use a question mark, and the content one will say, don't sign your name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That goes into another thing with being the uh, filling out your profile thing. Right now, we're doing a single sign-on implementation for some of our clients right now. That's true. So uh, that means that people aren't signing up in the traditional way that we assumed that they would in the past where you sign up and then you fill out your profile and that kind of stuff because that's kind of the natural flow. Now people already have a user account but on the client side they don't always have a username, right? So yeah, they we don't get know called anonymous. Yeah, so we have about 50 users maybe less than that maybe more, whatever but they're all called anonymous so that's horrible readability like when I'm reading a question and looking at answers and everything is from anonymous it's really weird and I think a lot of the less tech-savvy users on the site aren't really going to understand that either because they see all these posts by the same name being anonymous with different avatars and different point counts. So it requires a little bit of, a, of thought to understand what's going on. And I think it's a little too much to ask to hope that people will think when they look at something because I don't think that happens.
0: That is true. And I was thinking about when would be the right time to actually prompt someone to tell you their name. Yes. And I don't think it's the moment that they
1: come onto the site. You think it's the moment they take an action, like write a question? Maybe. Maybe
0: we force them to fill in their name before they're allowed to take an action.
1: I like that. So like on submit, say, hey, wait, fill out your name.
0: That would be good. Yeah, we could do that. We'd have to track down every single place someone that could submit to first. And this also convolutes the API. Okay. Like if we, like we do have a private API right now Mm -hmm. that actually handles the posts to the various, you know, places that can accept data into the server. Sure. And that API suddenly becomes much more complicated. Maybe we just need a way, like a separate API for adding your name and then reject requests for anonymous, so to speak, until they have a name. So on, when you're on a root buzz site, this will be done by JavaScript. But, when we have third party API developers, which is kind of the plan long run, mm-hmm. then you can do that, okay, We're getting in the weeds a little bit a little bit <laughs> so um, so you went to California this week. I did go to California.
1: What did it you was, do in california?
0: um well, it's not especially <laughs> a gripping story, but um I learned that Californians come in many varieties <laughs> and also like um, apples. Yes, they come in all different colors and flavors.
1: (laughs) But they all taste like apple.
0: No, different flavors. Some of them are sour. Some of them are sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. You went to Alcatraz? I went to Alcatraz. I went to Napa Valley. I went to the Computer History Museum, which my girlfriend was thrilled about. She had the most fun of the whole trip at the Computer History Museum.
1: That's what I wanted to hear about.
0: The Computer History Museum was awesome, by the way. Do they have computers there? They had all kinds of stuff. They had um, a
1: mechanical Turing complete computer. I want to see that. <laughs> that. sounds neat. I have some pictures I could show Does you. Does that have, like, punch cards at that point, or was that, like, pre-punch cards?
0: It's got a bunch of different little mechanations inside it that you turn with your fingers, okay. or a wrench, or yeah, whatever, however you turn them. And then once you've set all of the things, in similar to how a punch card is a way of setting things, mm-hmm. like setting starting variables and such, then there's a big hand crank, which you turn, <laughs> and then computation. So that series. is like the
1: CPU cycles.
0: Yes. <laughs> One cycle per crank, and you have <laughs> to do it by hand. I like it. It's pretty neat. Um, there's really not much to say about that. Really, the Computer History Museum, it's like, I think that it's interesting for anybody, whether they are a programmer or not, whether they're tech savvy or not, because it starts off with just calculators. It starts off with like an abacus and like, I don't know what other mechanical old like slide rules and just like ways that people did math mechanically, like tools, basically that people built to do math before Mm -hmm. we had electronic computers. And then they go through mainframes and supercomputers and stuff.
1: And uh, it's pretty neat. I like it. That sounds pretty cool. I always wanted to like I don't know, build a motherboard or something. Oh it's like a nice place to build computers, but that's just like big kid Legos really when it comes down to it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh here's a motherboard. Plug it in with something else, like a hard drive, you know? Well and speaking of things that you
0: wanna build, I have a a thing that I wanna build that I'm really excited about, but I'll save it for in a minute. Um, they have all this stuff about um, analog computing and robots and stuff at the Computer History Museum, which is totally awesome. Like, I had a, a long Arduino and hardware hacking phase, and it was just, like, totally fascinating to me to actually, like, they had logic gates and stuff. Like, I guess, super simple ones. Like, they had an OR gate with two switches and a light bulb, and you could turn them both true into both the false and, like, see how the ANDs and the ORs and feedback loops and things affect each other. It was neat. That's cool. And, like, Tara got an idea of how that stuff works, too. That's good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I used to do stuff... Because Boolean logic is critical to getting through life. Eh, Logic in general is critical, and I think understanding basic logic is helpful.
0: (laughs) It is, but I don't think Boolean logic and English logic are related, really. Okay. Like, you don't sit there and listen to someone's arguments and go... If true and true, then true. If true
1: and false, then... <laughs> no, but I do hear people make arguments where they'll say there was a single instance where this happened, therefore for all instances this is true. Right, but you're talking about logical fallacies, not Boolean logic. Okay. Anyway, I think logic helps.
0: Logic does help.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> logic is so useful. I I used to build like uh, all the logic gate type stuff in one of my comp sci classes back in school. It wasn't like physical logic with light bulbs and things like that but it was all in computer programs so you got to hit the run button and see what was going on with all the stuff right but that was kind of fun you know almost like a game program sort of but not really at all but when you look at computer science and all that kind of stuff like a puzzle and yeah it is anyway that's kind of a mental tangent
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so the thing i wanted to build yeah i discovered on actually i don't know where i found it probably hacker news but maybe not this guy built a house for five thousand dollars, which the price is totally wrong because they don't account for the fact that he built it himself. Mm-hmm. So labor costs are not included. It took him, he said, fifteen between a thousand and fifteen hundred hours to build this house. Okay. So you figure five thousand dollars for materials, fifty thousand dollars for time. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um. Anyway, this house is like he carved out the side of a hill. a bunch of tree trunks and straw and hay and stuff and it's like one of those houses that looks like it's like a hill with windows on it
1: so it's a hobbit hole yes okay it looks (laughs) awesome and i want to build one (laughs) i like the tree house houses those are pretty cool they look like giant pods or like saucers up in trees
0: right but they're not very like you can't really live in one because well they're they're exposed on all sides instead of just like, okay. instead of sticking out of the ground, it's not, it's even exposed on the bottom. So it's, you have to insulate it really well. Fair and argument. Putting lots of insulation on something that's bolted to a tree makes it really heavy and likely to kill the tree or fall over. And if there's a hurricane, then your house
1: can get, I mean. Well, something like this sounds cool for like Habitat for Humanity, where people are volunteering their time to help build something. And if you can provide the materials for really cheap, that might be awesome. What, the house in hill? Yeah, like you said, it was 5000 bucks of material for a house,
0: right? Right. Well, this, he, this was in Wales. So, like, I think he probably got most of the wood for free. He like just free went and cut wood. down a tree. Oh, all right. It's basically full trees is what the house is made out of. Mm-hmm. Um, I will try and be more diligent about show notes, but I probably won't because show notes are boring to write. Okay. So, I don't know. If you'd remind me, I'll link this in the show notes. Otherwise, sorry, listeners, you'll have to email me, giaro at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> Sweet. Uh, I like the link that you shared on Twitter before it was inbound. It was like Hacker News for marketing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that is uh,
0: Rand Fishkin of SEO SEOmoz and then a guy whose name I should know from HubSpot. <laughs> uh, Dharmesh? Yeah. Cool. So basically the CEO, basically founders of two SEO firms got together and made a marketing Hacker News, which is much, much better looking than the actual Hacker
1: News. (laughs) This is like designed by people with design skills. For me, I really don't give a crap because usually I just throw the RSS feed into Google Reader and look at stuff through there. So yeah, I'm almost never on the site. I'm not one of those guys that comments much on Hacker News, but I use it as a news source sometimes when it doesn't suck.
0: But Inbound is really exciting because you right now, at this exact moment, have an opportunity to be one of the personalities of the site like it's new mm-hmm. and it's almost guaranteed to take off because it's ran fishkin and Darmesh uh shah from hubspot so like they already have critical masses of yeah they have like automatic, have automatic critical mass yeah so it's sweet if you can get in now and start racking up the inbound karma then like you can sort of get yourself an audience of marketing people and if that's who you're trying to sell to like this is a great time to get in on it i'm excited
1: about it so are you going to start commenting then? Okay. You sold me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. My, my Google Reader thing has been growing so much lately, trying to find good community and marketing type resources and stuff, where previously it was mostly programming and design and things like that. So having to put on mul- multiple hats makes your Google Reader feed grow multiple times. <laughs> Exponentially or just linearly? Um, I, it's a direct correlation between the number of things I'm trying to do. Like I... If I have twenty for web design and stuff, now I have another twenty for marketing, and so another linear. twenty. Yeah, it is linear. Okay. For sales, so. I don't know.
0: I thought maybe like the combinations of all the various things you're keeping yeah. track of cause it to be like exponential or
1: something. I don't see a lot of people that really specialize in integrating those multiple things together. I mean, sales and marketing go hand in hand kind of a lot of the time. So I guess there's a little bit of crossover there, but not usually so much between the web design aspects. I mean, unless you're looking at UI, UX, design type stuff and trying to work on conversions for landing pages and things like that. Right, and speaking of UI and UX, seriously, Twitter Bootstrap is
0: (laughs) godsend. You can just punt. Mm -hmm. Just throw a CSS class on everything and be like, and designed. (laughs) Sweet. Um, Speaking of Bootstrap, Django Bootstrap is like this cool little library I found which basically just monkey patches all the Django forms so that they use the Twitter bootstrap UI components. So, like, it takes the help text instead of displaying it on the page and makes it into one of those pop-up bubbles. And it, you know, takes a date picker and turns it into an actual calendar thingy and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Which I don't even know if they have a date picker. I might be lying about that. But all the available components, they make them work in the form.
1: Cool. I sent you a link last week. It was a, a Heroku thing. Yeah. to basically turn anything into an app with Django. Anything so it, into an app? Well, it, it pretty much made it really easy to include any Django app in Heroku. How is that? I don't know. That's why I sent you the link. That's your job, man. <laughs> I don't think I read it. <laughs> yeah. Jim I, doesn't listen to me when I... I know. You're also in California. I, well, I know how to make anything
0: an app. Okay. It Did just you look at the article? Like, can you tell me?
1: No, it was directly on Heroku's thing. I think it was on their blog. Heroku so
0: wrote a blog post about this. Okay, I, I need to check so. this
1: out. Um, Sorry for not having more details. It was like a week ago, and now it's a little vague memory in the back of my mind.
0: I think it might not have been delivered, but I'm going to go to the two weeks view of Skype and see okay, is it Python powered server monitoring, logging, and error on the change log or Django Bootstrap? I don't know. <laughs> These are the it's only not things. Django
1: Bootstrap. You already know about that, right? And that has nothing to do with Roku. Uh, you know what I did while custom. you were in, no, not custom Okay. No. While you were in California, yeah. I watched three and a half seasons of Flashpoint
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: in the span of about four days. Good work, son. I know. <laughs> the, the show is amazing. It's like a Canadian SWAT team, basically. That, Canadian. Yeah, and they specialize in like psychological did profiling. Do they have guns? Uh-huh.
0: They have guns in Canada? Yeah. For killing people? Uh-huh. Are you sure they weren't deer killing guns?
1: No. No. It was so cool. <laughs> it has the uh, uh the Pink Ranger from Power Rangers, Amy Jo Johnson. Is
0: that why you tweeted about her?
1: Yeah, I was I watching Power
0: Rangers. I thought you were watching show. Power Rangers.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll get on that next, but I did find out that she was in like the second Power Rangers movie also. So it was like Power Rangers Turbo or whatever, and Is she, she came in- back.
0: Are there Power Rangers movies that don't have the Power Ranger people in them?
1: Well, the cast changes up pretty what? frequently. Yeah. Well, think about it. Like when I started watching Power Rangers, and you yeah, had the original five, and then after a few seasons, three of them left, I think, and you only had two of the original dudes. Like do they the red do they ranger changes
0: every time, or do they just? Eventually, have a new eventually. Person?
1: But like at first, it was like a new red ranger, a new yellow ranger, and a new other person. So I've never watched Power Rangers. So what? Let's, let's oh, rewind. Man, you are killing me. <laughs> let's rewind a second. So, so you just, don't know who Zordon is. That's what you're telling me. I
0: had a Power Rangers video game when I was a kid, (sighs) but... um, Was it the fighting game for Super Nintendo? Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, I rented that from wherever.
0: (laughs) It was a good game. Oh, it was so cool. I I memorized the cheat code to go in and battle as the big fighting robot thing. A Megazord? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. And, um, yeah, that was pretty sweet. I basically always just went in and did that on multiplayer. I think
1: it had multiplayer. I don't recall. Yeah, it did. Super Nintendo was cool. First game controller with uh, left and right triggers on on no. it. You know? Megazord? No, no, no. Just the Super Nintendo game controller I'm talking about. Okay. Whatever. Um, yeah. So she was in it. Uh, that guy from Just Shoot Me. Um, I don't know if you know that show. It was kind of like a funny show no. about like office people. Um, and this other dude. Oh, I forgot his name. But he Hugh something, I think. Whatever. Jackson. No. Um, Johnson. And most of the actors are all Canadian too. Brian's really cool. <laughs> I'm not going to remember it. I tweeted to him last week. I was just like, dude, you blow me away every single episode. He's got like the most ridiculous, complex personality I've ever seen. And, and you tweeted to him. Did he respond? No. <laughs> <laughs> People don't talk to me. Okay. Yeah. So whatever. He's in a, whatever. Maybe you could get him know. on the podcast if he responds. For what? I don't know Okay That sounds Parent. totally unrelated We'll just tell him like Five personalities to do And uh Oh alright yeah It'll be interesting Yeah he's known for doing like Really complex characters all the time And he's like the lead singer in a band Okay Whoa. I'm gonna so, put this
0: in In the show notes thing Hugh
1: Jackson <laughs> That's what, Whatever <laughs> Just put Flashpoint In there. So It was a really cool show And I watching that 51 episodes in like 4 days It was cool uh, What? 51 episodes
0: How long are the episodes? Like 40 minutes 51 <laughs> times .75 <laughs> hours You spent 38 hours watching Flashpoint
1: Uh huh Yeah And that's actually a little underestimated Probably yeah Some of the episodes <laughs> are like 43 minutes Hey Uh um, oh, 40 I think so. said 48 Whatever Okay So that was cool They're like Netflix only has three and a half seasons there So they're like in the middle of season four I Can guess Can we talk about know. the Netflix app? Um, for what? For Xbox.
0: Okay. For everything. Netflix took an OK app and then
1: murdered it. It has the potential to be really good. But yeah, right as it is right now, it's kind of weird. I don't like that it auto-plays. Like when you click on something, then it yep. does the loading. So you can't just click on something and give it a star rating and then go back. You click on something, it loads. Then it refreshes the page, basically, once it's all loaded and yep. starts playing it. Which you probably didn't want to happen in the first place. And if you want to pick an episode, yeah. it starts playing whatever it thinks you want to
0: watch, and then you go to more episodes. And if you spend too long reading the descriptions of the episodes to try and find the thing that
1: you're looking for, mm-hmm. it just closes the bar and makes you do it all again. Oh, what I really hate when you're outside and you're just viewing all the different titles and stuff, you start to read the description, and, and then, then it, it does a little scroll. And, and then despite
0: you... having two analog sticks on an Xbox controller, you cannot control the scrolling. Yeah.
1: So then you have to wait... Another ten seconds for it to scroll back, or scroll some, move over to some other title and go back to it. Which it also months.
0: does in the in the episode picker. Mm-hmm. And if you try and wait for it to scroll back, it decides that you're done looking at it and closes the bar.
1: Man, you should see the app that they have for Wii. I my parents have a Wii, and I set them up with a Netflix account. Is it over better Christmas. or worse? No, it is entirely worse. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it looks like something that people designed before the dot com bubble burst. Oh god, it is the most horrible thing I've ever seen. There's like a children's section too. When you click on that, that has better design than everything, except the titles are crappier. So as much as I would love to just chill in the child section because it looks so much better, I can't. Oh, well, whatever. It's unfortunate, but I guess their Wii market isn't huge. I guess their... I like their web app or whatever, their website in general. You can watch on there and view titles. It's so much easier to search for stuff. I like that it's so much easier to go to dif- different genres and everything, and the Xbox app, it basically pre-selects whatever genres it's going to show you, and you're screwed with that. So yeah, hopefully I don't, you like what it shows you. I don't like that about it either. Yeah, so I'm always forced to go to the website when I want to like look for stuff and add titles that aren't popping up.
0: So far, they had an okay, like not as good as it could be Xbox app, and then they changed it to something which was much, much worse, and... The apps have never been better than just using a web view and giving the the users a browser to use the Netflix website. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, Google TV seems to be picking up a little bit again. Like at least Google's caring more about it now. They came out with a new updated YouTube app today, I think. So I'm hoping Google TV gets like super revamped and Is it awesome. it Android. Uh, I don't know much about Google TV.
0: Cool. So with Google TV, do you think it's going to be basically the same old, same old between Google and Apple like it always has been in the mobile market? What do you mean? Well, so basically Apple is the vertical integration approach where they control the software on the TV,
1: so to speak. They don't yet. And the device. Apple TV hasn't come out yet. That's true. Are you speaking of... The hypothetical Apple TV that will come out. I'm speaking
0: of the hypothetical Apple TV that is going to come out because Apple TV in its current state is not a real Apple product. It's a thing that nobody uses and nobody buys. Yep. So I'm just pretending like Apple has no Apple TV and they're going to release actual TVs that
1: are called Apple TV. Mm -hmm. I'm just speculating right now because I haven't read enough articles or anything or been keeping up with the tech world in the past week. Okay. Uh, But. I heard that Google is launching a retail store, right? Okay. But Apple has a whole bunch of them already. I know. But if Google launches a retail store, they're probably going to release retail products. So they're going to be manufacturing electronics, right? And that is
0: going to hurt their Android market share, I think.
1: Okay. But it might allow them to do that vertical integration like we're hypothesizing that Apple is going to do, which would give them a more competitive product, right? I think
0: that Google Store will be a store that sells things that run Google software. I don't actually think they're going to do vertical integration because I think that will hurt them in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Google's benefit right now is they're what Microsoft was in the 90s versus Apple. Apple has vertical integration and then Google is the company that makes software that lots of hardware manufacturers can all install and collect on their licensing fee. Right. Yeah, Which I, mean, I don't even yeah. know if they do have a licensing fee for Android. They are in
1: the business of selling advertising, not mm-hmm. software. So I think we're going to see some awesome increases in mobile advertising. Like better ways to advertise and with TV especially. You say awesome. Awesome for them. <laughs> well, Well, all right. This brings me into something else I wanted to talk about. So Amazon, the way that they show you stuff is algorithmically based, right? right? So you look at something and they decide these are things you might be interested in. Right. And you've had tons of companies that have tried to come in and do basically that, right? Show you stuff that people are going to like. But they've all failed. And now I think we're seeing like basically the the age of curated content suggestions. What? Like I mean, Amazon didn't fail. No. I read some good articles lately suggesting that Amazon might fail. By because the viewers of the article or the writers of the article are basically saying that Amazon is a retail store, but they're virtual base and everyone else that's tried to go and become the be all and all of retail or whatever like Kmart and a bunch of others they all failed. Okay. When they did that, anyway, something like Pinterest. Quick, have you heard of Pinterest? Have you I used have, Pinterest? I have not used
0: Pinterest and. But I have heard of it, and I basically know what it is. But you should explain it
1: because I suspect that many people don't know what it is. Okay. Well, it seems like my blog feed has been blowing up with everything under the sun about Pinterest and how it's so amazing and everything. And I think that this is going to be the next step in e-commerce. So you have all these people that are curating stuff and pretty much telling you what they like and everything like that. So I think the next step that Pinterest is going to take is integrating with a bunch of e-commerce stuff and showing you the stuff that you probably do want to buy because you said you want to. You know? So I went on Pinterest because I was curious from reading all these articles. And I think the ratio right now is about 84% women to like 16% men. Okay. So I'm one of the few. And I've noticed like three or four of my dude friends have followed me on Pinterest. And it's like, oh, wow, you're on here too. Great. You know? <laughs> Otherwise, it's like 120 girls that are following me that I know. So. Sweet. Yeah.
0: I, that sounds good. Not bad.
1: Oh, no, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not complaining about it. It it's just a little bit like weird, you know, being in a place where it's all girls and only a few dudes. And all the a lot of the girl stuff that you see is like this is my wedding, or this is my dream house, and things like that. You know, like every, or cooking. Lots of cooking stuff too. I mean, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything, but viewing people's things, those, those are the types of things I'm seeing. So I go on here, I'm like, what can I do? Basically, you make a pinboard and you include a bunch of images on it. Pinboard is? Uh, You ever have like A cork board, and you take a thumbtack and put a picture on it, like this board next to you. Yeah, I know what it is in real life. Yeah, so it's like that, but virtual. So I made a pin board called Man Cave, and basically it is my dream man cave. So I post a bunch of pictures of things that I like. Like I have a monkey in a karate outfit, so he is my security, right? And he can also get me a beer and drink one with me, so he's like a buddy in my man cave. (laughs) And then I have like a light-up dance floor. (laughs) wonder if it's legal to get monkeys drunk on purpose i don't know but what if they <laughs> get themselves drunk then <laughs> it's not your fault is it enabling them to drink a beer isn't that different than force feeding them a beer so i'm not sure that's a little gray area there but i bet peter just like be it's gray it. whether it's legal to buy alcohol <laughs> for 15 year olds that's not gray. that's not <laughs> <laughs> also but you're talk. not making
0: them drink it you're just letting them drink it
1: oh uh, okay all right, so maybe it is illegal. <laughs> I put a zip line in my man cave and a spiral stairwell that has a slide next to it so I can slide down into okay. my man cave. Anyway, so like you can see how excited I am about this and my man cave. So this is basically what everyone's doing. So it looks like it could be a great marketing tool for stuff. Like I've seen some companies like AMD do a good good job creating Pinterest pinboards and stuff and interacting with people. So Actually, now that you say this.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually read an article this past week about making your website more pinnable. Mhm. So basically they were suggesting cuz basically like when you want to pin something on Pinterest, yeah, it links you back. You give it a web
1: page. Yep. And then it shows you a bunch of pictures and you pick one right? Yeah. So I can go on to the blog post that I just wrote, hit the pin button and it'll show me the images that are in the blog post. And then I pin that image to my board. And when someone views my board and they click on that image, it goes to the blog post. Right. So this
0: blog post that I read Mm -hmm. basically was an overview of why you should care about Pinterest and what you should do to make sure that when people try to pin your blog post, they see the right images. In other words, don't have 150 tracking pixels because they're going to see a bunch of empty squares on Pinterest Yeah, with one pixel images in the center.
1: I don't. Yeah, and same thing with, like, I guess, advertisement images and stuff like that as well. Like, I think I hit the Pinterest button somewhere and it gave me a giant Pinterest logo, so it was probably a blog post on Pinterest. I don't know. Whatever. But, yeah, I think it has a lot of potential, uh, linking to, to sources that you value or your own things and stuff like that. But... I think most people hate self-promotion a lot, even though it's kind of necessary. So, you know, if I'm writing a community blog post and I have a board about building community, then I probably have mostly other people's things and maybe a couple to my posts. Kind of like the general rule with Twitter, where it's 70% other people's things, maybe 30% your own or less than that, 80, 20, whatever. So
0: what do you think about, so on Twitter, my Twitter feed is all other people's things, but I never use their titles. So, like, the tweet itself, I write, but all the links go to other people's stuff. Like, my blog posts go up on Twitter, but Mm -hmm. I post two or three things a day on Twitter, and I write a blog post about once every two
1: months. So you can assume the ratio is pretty low. So you're not retweeting other people's things, but you're taking their tweets and making them your own? No, I, like, read stuff on Hacker News, and then sometimes tweet it. Usually what I do when I'm tweeting links to blogs and stuff that I'm reading is I'll find the Twitter handle of whoever wrote it, and then I'll put, like, you know, buy so-and-so, at, by that Twitter handle. Hmm. So then they know that I'm tweeting about them, and it's nice. They appreciate it. Usually they follow back. I wonder if that's worth the work. I mean, it always... took the work to read the post. You know, it usually only takes five seconds to find their Twitter handle because it's linked in the sidebar of their webpage, right?
0: I guess. All right, I'll start doing that, but only if they link to their Twitter handle on their webpage. If they don't, they probably don't care about Twitter anyway, and I'm so done hunting down people's information. Okay. I think that sounds fair enough. Cool. Well, Should glad be. that's sorted out. Yeah.
1: Um, what else about Pinterest? I don't
0: I don't really... know. I, I'm
1: still experimenting with it. I'm only using it on the my personal account right now to kind of get a feel for everything and how I can use it. And still reading more articles and stuff but i'd like to make one for root Buzz and you know just have a whole bunch of different boards about different things that are cool like tech related stuff community related stuff um root Buzz sites i'll probably have a board for that or something but isn't that totally like self-promotion that one would be yeah i guess so you know but i could have one just for communities in general whereas like people that are doing a good job with their communities like that's community is nice i like the way that theirs are laid out Skype has a new revamp community, uh, I think Lithium did theirs, so there's a lot of cool stuff out there right now, but I mean, I guess it's going to be some experimentation looking into what would work best, I'm not really solid on what the boards would be yet, I want to look at companies I'm not really like,
0: solid on the caring about other people's boards concept, why uh,
1: do people look at your board? Because I have a bunch of cool images on it. I don't know. I made my man cave board and I have like 100 followers on it. And then people take your thing and they repin it. So it's kind of like a retweet, you know? They repin a picture or they repin your board? A picture. Like you follow someone's board. So I put up this cool picture. It's like a bedroom, right? And it's in an aquarium basically. Like the wall is a full aquarium. That would be so neat to like wake up and you have a freaking aquarium there. So, like, 30 people repinned it. So now that link from wherever that image came from is on 30 other people's boards. That's visible to all the people that look at their boards. So it increases visibility like that. So people always look for neat pictures that they can include on their dream house or something like that. Or whatever it is. So does Pinterest, like, recommend boards for you to look at? I don't know. I'm not there yet. Okay. I made a board. Tons of people... Keep following me and stuff. What happens if you click on one of those pictures? It goes to... See? So you can see people's comments and stuff on your board. And then if you click on the picture... Basically, a light box popped up with comments and stuff. Kind of like how it does on Facebook when you click on the picture. Okay. And then when you click on that picture, then it takes you to the article, which in this case is a Tumblr. I guess saying that it's
0: like Facebook will make it make more sense to most people.
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> that. Yeah, it's exactly the same. You click on the picture, and a light box pops up. Cool with a bigger version of the picture in the comments and stuff. Um, so
0: okay, I think we might have used up this Pinterest topic. Yeah, or maybe we can talk about are... it
1: again when we know a lot more about how to use it. I'm not sold on caring about this yet. I don't know. I, I'm not totally sold either. That's why I haven't made an account yet for Ruth Buzz, but I probably will. I'm not actually. So let's talk about something else um, <laughs> for a sec. Well, maybe we'll just go somewhere. Or more than a sec. I think I'm done talking about Pinterest. Okay.
0: Well, this is kind of in the vein of Pinterest, but I'm not really sure yeah. about corporate accounts in general. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So like a RootBuzz Twitter account, I get why that's important because you can have a well-defined purpose. But when you're just like, when it's just the fuzzy, like touchy feely, getting more known by people and making them like you... It, I kind of think in that respect it's probably better to just have personal accounts for like the people so like a company like us right we just each have personal accounts and we you know we put on our accounts that were Rootbuzz but you don't make a Rootbuzz account itself because example
1: Twitter uh, we have okay so what I did with my Twitter profile is I go co-founder of Rootbuzz and right, yeah. Rootbuzz is at Rootbuzz and it links to the Rootbuzz Twitter yeah. And then on the RootBuzz Twitter, you can you see the profile right there that describes well, what RootBuzz, RootBuzz it is. Makes, there's a
0: purpose to the RootBuzz account on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it's not a marketing purpose. Right. It's a customer happiness purpose. Like The point of that account is to tweet RootBuzz news and stuff for people who are already sold, and uh, they just okay. want a news feed about RootBuzz platform because they use it. So I'm it's not sweet. sold on that. Well- I haven't used it as, as a marketing platform- Yeah. I don't know. Why would someone follow an account called RootBuzz if they've never heard of the company RootBuzz?
1: Basically, what I've been doing with the RootBuzz account is posting links to things about building community and like stuff for community managers and stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah, I think it will become more RootBuzz news in the future and helping our current customers and stuff like that, but I don't know that it should be specifically that. Well, let's put the example in terms of another company. Okay. So,
0: if I was Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. I would not make a Facebook Twitter account. I would just make my own Twitter account yes. and post as myself. Okay. The Facebook Twitter account, I mean, I guess it's just... A company has too many things going on, mm. like does a company talk about marketing news, do they talk about community building news, do they talk about sales news, do they talk about tech news? Mm. It's like the individual people can talk about the things that are interesting and it'll that news will be interesting to other people like them. but there's no people who are like a company, so it just seems like a company's account could never be targeted properly okay. except for towards its customers.
1: This is true okay. anyway. I like using the personal accounts. It's a lot more personable by definition. Yeah. And I'm having better results with that. Like what's happening now is I follow people. I talk to people. They go and they click through to the RootBuzz Twitter account or RootBuzz.com, which is linked as my profile URL. And they go on the site, sign up for the newsletter, take a look. And a lot of times they'll DM me or sign up for the newsletter thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have the opportunity to talk to them more. Right. So just having the visibility of the RootBuzz Twitter account period is good. What we're going to use it for long term, still to be decided a little bit. Well, putting this back in the the perspective of Pinterest,
0: I don't get why people would rather have a RootBuzz Pinterest versus just having you make Pinterest boards that are about RootBuzz stuff. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I'm done. I think we're done with this
1: topic. (laughs) Yeah. Future discussion. So, right. dude. Yes. We won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Me and you did. Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> did you get a touchdown? I got two touchdowns. All right. Neato. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the pizza place around the corner and watched the Super Bowl there. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Was Adam there? Yep. Cool. Just hung out with a few people that were chilling there. Brought a uh, like a thermos of PBR. Yep. I filled up my travel Starbucks mug with a couple of PBRs and just hung out had some pizza. They have a nice flat screen over there. Yeah. So. That's our local pizza place here in Bushwick, Mm -hmm. which is Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Technically, they're in Queens. They're on the other side of the road, which is Ridgewood. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. (laughs) That we live across the street from Queens. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, yep. I jump across the border for that. It was Border Patrol kind? No, no, if those cars don't stop at stoplights. <laughs> so, anyway, what did you do for Super Bowl? Um, you were in California for that, right? I was in California, and um,
0: I mourned the loss of the 49ers, and then I laughed because the Giants won. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny, like, a bunch of New York people are Patriots fans. So, I talked to people, and they're like about Super Bowl, and they just get pissed off. They're like, yeah, the Patriots lost. I'm like, what? We're in New York. Like, you don't have the loyalty <laughs> of the Giants, and then you have this douchebag team like the Patriots, you know? <laughs> I don't know. They're like, they're the team that people get behind because they win all the time. They're like the Yankees, you know? Who, the Patriots? Yeah. Dude, while we're at it, why don't we just talk about religion and politics and get all these things out of the way? Okay. <laughs> I made a really gross food thing, and I don't think I talked about it last podcast. Okay, here. Did we talk about it? No, I don't here, remember here how here long. About ago disgusting this food creation. So it was a whole wheat tortilla with peanut butter on it, two hot dogs, an egg, and melted cheddar and mozzarella. <laughs> so that was pretty ridiculous. What do you think about that?
0: I'm still trying to uh, process that ingredient list hot dogs,
1: cheddar, mozzarella, mozzarella and egg. And peanut butter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you just took everything that you had available and
1: put it all together? Mostly, yes. (laughs) They were turkey dogs too, so they were a little bit saltier. I feel like if they were beef friends, (laughs) then it would have been better. Was there bread involved? There was a whole wheat tortilla. Right. <laughs> you need something to hold it all together <laughs> Why didn't you just tie it together with rope? <laughs> <laughs> you have more fiber? <laughs>
0: it's so gross <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: I make weird food
0: concoctions Most of them sound more delicious than that Most yeah, of, They all sound like
1: they'll make me sick But this one doesn't even sound like it tastes good <laughs> No, the saltiness of the hot dogs is a little overpowering after the first few bites I can do better I will do better all right. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk oh, about... Them. I want to make a dessert pizza, like sugar cookie crust, uh, marshmallows, chocolate chips, salmon toast crunch on the top. What would you say if I said that I knew a place where you could buy one of those? I would say, cool, go for it. I'm still going to make mine. Oh. A breakfast pizza is I great, I thought because you wanted to eat it. I don't know. I like making it. Oh. Like, breakfast pizza, the dough, and then you have, like, eggs on the top is, like, the main stuff, and some melted cheese all over that. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. I'm done with my food rent.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I went to this awesome place in San Francisco, and I had well, whatever, no one cares. About what I ate for dinner.
1: <laughs> this is like the stuff that people post I, on Twitter that no one tweet. cares about. I should
0: just tweet what I ate, and then everyone can ignore it. That was on the list of like top ten worst tweets. Let's um, let's talk about embedding JavaScript into e- everything. Why? Um, because it makes a great embeddable language. Okay so did we talk about this last podcast I don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was like two weeks ago um, my memory spans about a day yeah. and a half well
0: I was thinking that we could compile um because bootstrap is less CSS okay like as in less yes dot okay dot less okay so um less is like less dot JS it's a JavaScript implementation of this expanded CSS superset of CSS syntax mm-hmm. um and I was thinking that if we had an embeddable JavaScript interpreter, we could use it as a scripting API for our customers, as well as using it to run JavaScript compilers, like CoffeeScript and Less CSS, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I found a version of the SpiderMonkey interpreter, which can be embedded into Python, as well as the V8 interpreter from Chrome. SpiderMonkey is Firefox. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so...
1: I don't have much of an opinion on this sorry (laughs) in that case I guess we'll just what are you what are you thinking about on that like it's neat
0: I think it's neat you can basically pass JavaScript into a Python class as a string Mm -hmm. and get back a class instance with a bunch of like you can touch you can reach in and like manipulate the javascript objects from python
1: so are you excited about this because it's a new toy that you can jump on and play with or do you see an actual use for this that's going to benefit our customers scripting api okay. compiling less css compiling copy script but this requires that whoever's doing it knows how to do less you know do the super no setup we CSS can
0: start model. using less and coffee all right
1: so you're talking about this as an
0: internal tool mostly I'm talking about it as once it's available, we can do these compiling things as well as make it available to our customers as a scripting API. Okay. Like it's not hard to find JavaScript information or educational materials or talent. I mean, JavaScript talent is, mm-hmm. it's at a premium these days, but I mean, JavaScript is one of the most well-known languages in the world. So what better language for a scripting API? Sure. And plus, we can just take objects that are Python objects and then throw them into the global object space and let them use them in JavaScript. So, like, pretty—it's pretty elegant, I think. Well, it's like a kludgy kind of elegant, like an inelegant type of elegance.
1: All right. <laughs> the API I'm that
0: you—the API that you get to provide is elegant, but the mechanism by which you do it is actually kind of bad. <laughs> Got it. It's like pull in a bunch of C code and compile it and then run some Java stuff. And then there's like five programming languages involved in making a bridge work between
1: two languages like that. Okay. So end user experience is really what everyone cares about. Which is good. Other than us. I just
0: haven't figured out how to make it run on Heroku yet. Speaking of which, Heroku lets you modify their build packs, which is actually pretty neat. So like the thing when you push your code into Heroku and then it looks at your code and then compiles it and makes it work, Mm -hmm. you can write your own thing of that thing and use that instead. Great. (laughs) So I think we might be able to compile the C extensions if we have to on Heroku. That's the end of the story.
1: Okay.
0: I like it. Is it a good
1: story? No. It was just sort of like... (laughs) You know when people lecture... In, in class and you stare at them Hugh Jackson but you're thinking about other things like <laughs> chocolate I don't know anything else but what they're talking about yep. it was kind of like that <laughs> so you weren't listening <laughs> I was listening I just wasn't absorbing as much as I probably should you know, if it works and it helps our customers I'm totally down for it
0: when I was on the airplane coming back from San Francisco mm-hmm. I rediscovered the folded arms put your head on them and sleep thing that I would always do in high school okay like you fold your arms put them on the desk and then you slowly slide forward until your forehead is on your arms and you you did that in high school
1: yeah wow (laughs) impressive (laughs) why I don't know usually in high school it's a a lot more of an intimate setting I guess maybe like in college professors don't care it's like if you want to screw up go for it in high school I feel like teachers care a lot more I would occasionally wake up like
0: I would go I wouldn't like go to sleep I would just kind of like come in and out of what was going on in class mm-hmm. So sometimes I tilt my head to the side and like say the answer to a question that the teacher said and then put
1: my head back down that's cool in college when I, fa- I only happened a couple times so I'm not like the kid that falls asleep in class <laughs>
0: I sick. was the kid that falls
1: asleep in class <laughs> <laughs> so like it would be a cop side class and we had this one professor that was um, who's not there anymore so what? it, it was what a professor was that, that wasn't saying. very good and oh. she didn't come back okay so I just fell asleep, like, with my head cocked back, snoring. <laughs> and I woke up when the class ended, like, right before class ended. And everyone was staring at me, but the teacher was just still going at it. Like, she had no idea. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. She was very oblivious to a lot of stuff. But well, yeah, she to be just snoring in class went. is kind of like... I didn't snore. I can't help it. You don't snore when you put your head down,
0: forward, and you only snore when you put it back.
1: right. One time that I fell asleep in the quiet section of the library, <laughs> and in my dream I was talking, and in real life it was going, eh! <laughs> Good, So when I woke cool up... story, bro. When I woke up, everyone in the quiet section was just staring at me. I like, <laughs> felt <laughs> slightly embarrassed.
0: Slightly? I would have been
1: horrified. Okay. Personally.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would have just left. <laughs> I didn't care that much. Whatever. So... Oh, that note. Have a good week. What? People. I We're don't know. We're like 54 minutes.
0: I want to talk about understanding RPython.
1: Why? Because it's awesome.
0: Do you uh, know what RPython is? Uh, it's a subset of Python, right? Right. It yeah. is. And it can be compiled to C? To a, yeah. Very easily. And runs. I don't know about it very easily. I've never tried to do it. It didn't look that hard in the thing I watched.
1: So basically the point of it is you write it in RPython and then it you run it in C so that it's faster, right?
0: RPython is compiled to binary. I don't know if it's compiled to C. I think maybe it is. I'm I'm not sure. I could
1: be wrong. I don't know a whole lot about it.
0: Anyway, it's the thing that they use to write PyPy, Mm -hmm. which is the JIT the Python JIT, basically. Mm It's not fully compatible with Python, like CPython, but um, it's cool. It's a cool project, and it's cool that they created this RPython compiler thingamajig, because now you could use Python syntax to effectively write C code with free garbage collection. Sounds fantastic. So, I like it. I don't know. <laughs> High five. High are five. you going to use
1: it? I don't know. What are you going to use it for? If I probably
0: use won't use it for anything so I probably, This is just
1: a nifty toy <laughs>
0: This is just a nifty toy that okay. I will never actually use Great But I want to use it because it's awesome
1: Alright <laughs> Technology for technology's sake Doesn't mean it's good technology It's not. Well for it's a not, not that it's bad sake. technology I mean like it, If it doesn't have a use for us Then I don't see the point in using it just to use it Alright before we sign off let's yeah. talk about sales Sales Yeah What's okay. the updates Updates, uh, mostly sending out emails and responding to our warm leads from uh, from the landing pages and through Twitter. Um, so, have we
0: made any progress on improving our Twitter conversion rates or whatever? Just like making Twitter I, generate more leads per, I don't know,
1: amount of time spent or anything like that? Yeah, no improvements on that. I've been working on some optimizations and stuff but so far nothing that's like, oh yeah, this is the secret key to happiness. You know The secret key? Yeah versus the public key <laughs> yeah i don't know so we're working on it i think it'll take some time i mean there's obvious stuff like changing copy to be more descriptive and more brief so that people see immediately what you are and what you do and why they need you but that's not the easiest thing to do in less than 140 characters it's not even an elevator pitch yeah it's like the first sentence of an elevator pitch hmm which needs to include all the other sentences of the elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> With a link. <laughs> Rest of elevator pitch. Right. So we're working on that. I think a lot of it comes down to the type of audience that I follow as well. The people that will be intrigued by it. You know, so I follow a mix of sales people, marketing people, programmers. Programmers don't care unless they're running a startup and they just like us because we're a startup. Which we've talked to a couple people about that kind of stuff, which is fun, but not part of sales, really, at all. I guess it's part of marketing in that we're reaching other people that we wouldn't have otherwise, and some of them can turn into good relationships, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Otherwise, with sales, just working on slide decks, uh, this week I think we're going to be putting up some landing pages. Do we have any slide decks that listeners could check out? Uh, I should be just about done with a gamification slide deck. What's that about? Brief overview. Yeah, it's basically a brief overview of gamification. Rootbuzz. So I cover our main mechanisms being badges, uh, our point system, and voting.
0: I actually got a response. What do you call it, a feedback message on from the Rootbuzz? Um, what do you call it? Like beta feedback site. form. No, one of the sites um, from a user asking for a way to spend the karma points.
1: That, yeah that's an interesting idea um, I've been reading stuff basically about the evolution of gamification and what needs to happen now like the next steps to keep it interesting and stuff like that why don't
0: you tell me them because I would like to know
1: <laughs> uh, like virtual currencies are going to be a big one so like spending he said karma? spending those karma points or letting them do something so I think that that could be neat well, uh, something so if explore. they spend
0: the karma points it's kind of weird though because we have permissions attached to those karma points
1: we do is it rechecking those permissions after they've been awarded though?
0: Yeah. it. The permissions, there's no Boolean fields that store those permissions. It just looks how much karma you have. Mm-hmm. So if you were to spend your karma points, like maybe, okay. Well, we could, I guess, do something like when you earn karma points, you can spend them. So your total karma of all time is what the permissions are based on. Yeah. And that's the number that people see. And then you could have like a separate unspent karma number, sure. which is how much, Okay. But what would you spend them on? Like, we're not gonna, it's not money.
1: <laughs> yep, um, I couldn't tell you right now. I think that this is something that we should look into, though, and it could, you know, bolster our offerings a little bit in user engagement and stuff like that over time. The Stack
0: Exchange platform has a thing where you can spend your karma. Like, you can actually give away some of your karma to somebody Mm -hmm. to... To get an answer. Get an answer. Yeah, you can, like, buy an answer if your question's not getting an answer.
1: That could be a possibility,
0: yeah. The thing is, on our sites, generally there's support staff that answer the questions. So you shouldn't have to spend karma to get an answer. This is true.
1: I think we should probably look into it more and see what kind of things that we can do that would be beneficial in spending karma points we could look at some of those articles um, on startups has a blog post that just came out kind of about like simplifying gamification I think it was called like gamification through the eyes of a five year old or like how to improve it Okay. basically by simplifying things I didn't read through it all the way yet but that's a good one to read it's on, on startups what? I'll, I'll, okay. on startups.com yeah and it's on their blog Is this... Oh, this is a blog. Okay. So... So, Gamification Lessons from a kindergartner is what it's called. Hmm. I like their community, too. Their Stack Exchange community, uh, answers.onstartups.com, is pretty good, too. It doesn't get, like, tons and tons of traffic, but there are some good, knowledgeable people there, and I've participated in it sometimes, and they provide good answers to my questions, usually.
0: Cool. I think Joel kind of lurks there sometimes, too. He does,
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think he's one of their top point
0: of all time. Well, he gets like basically whatever score Joel has on any stack exchange site, divide it by 10 and that's what he has legitimately. And then the other, the other ninefold are by people just knowing who he is and upvoting him because he's Joel.
1: Yeah, that's
0: true. Joel says, hey, I answered a question and it's like, here's 50 votes.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I think there are a lot of other things we could do to improve our gamification too. Like there are some low-hanging fruit like leaderboards that would be nice to have because right now points are arbitrary other than that they give you more permissions like a site administrator on the site. So right. Being able to position yourself against the rest of the community, is kind of nice. Gives that competitive element almost.
0: Yeah, totally. Yep. Well, leaderboards are not hard to implement. We just haven't gotten around to it because we've been fixing like business requirement type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like people say, this site doesn't work because X. We don't even have time to like implement new stuff. Implement new cool improvements because we're too busy saying like okay people won't even use this because such and such needs to be refined. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And at the end of the day the leaderboard is a peripheral thing that encourages people to use it more not to use it at all. We need to get them to use it at all first probably. Well not probably definitely.
1: (laughs) Cool. So maybe next time we should talk about Um, improvements to gamification and like things like that be a good topic
0: Okay. okay cool I will leave that up to you to gather up some improvements to gamification I am on it and uh I guess we can make this kind of thing the tech update and sales update sure do it every week I don't know it's kind of cool to follow along with it's one of the things I like about texting so I'll follow along with it
1: good i hope so (laughs) all right well that was a podcast (laughs) good night and good luck